I spent three, four days preparing today's meditations, and it was sincerely a lot of hard work. However, as I half an hour ago, I just felt completely confused, and I just want to say that to you outright, uh, because if you are going to be confused, well, I am confused at first, and you are only confused subsequently. I am not afraid of being confused because we do believe that when you have done your work, it is God's work. So I'm not afraid of being confused at all. The strange God is the theme, and uh, this title comes from uh, something that I have been reading recently. The third-century theologian Origen observed that what each one honors before. All else, what before all things he admires and loves, this for him is God. Very interesting thought indeed. So it is. We are in a world where the name God is almost like slanderous to some people, especially after the corruption and the evil doings in churches and so on. There is a lot of shame attached to church, religion, and even God. But God, according to Origen, is much bigger and much broader than what we understand as Christians. The second quotation I want to put before you is from Oswald Chambers, great Scottish evangelist, and uh, this quotation is from his book, which I found by the side of my wife's bed, called um, "My Utmost for His Highest." A lot of lovely meditations. Here he says more than once. God has brought me face to face with a strange God in my life, and I knew that I should have given it up, but I didn't do it. I got out of the crisis by the skin of my teeth, only to find myself still under the control of that strange God. I am blind to the very things that make for my own peace. It is a shocking thing that we can be in the exact place where the Spirit of God should have His. Completely unhindered way with us, and yet we only make matters worse, increasing our blame in God's sight. I leave that on the screen for you to think about, and uh, I'm going to let you silently think about it for a little while, so that the intensity of what Mr. Chambers talks about sinks into our system. It's a very powerful statement, and I hope we will. Understand it a little better as we spend a few minutes looking at it and meditating. So please take a few minutes. So, in a manner of speaking, these are the four questions that I am trying to answer. I have a feeling that some of it may not be as intense as I thought, but there it is. I have spent some time thinking about it. Why is this God strange? Is something we need to ask. You know, it is one thing to say there is this strange God, whom I try to get rid of, but I cannot. But why is this God strange? We ask. The second question is, what does this strange God do in my life, in the lives of other people? The third is, what do I get out of this relationship? And the fourth is how do I get out of the influence of this strange God, or how do I get out of this relationship? 
So these are the four questions that I'm trying to answer. The series is Jesus looking at the city of Jerusalem and being heartbroken and saying to them, if only you have known what is good for you. But unfortunately, these things are hidden from your eyes. That is what I'm trying to work on for the next few weeks, God willing, several weeks. But these things are hidden from your eyes. How do they get hidden? How do they remain hidden? Why are they not visible? Some of these questions we want to ask. God has brought me face to face with a strange God in my life. As I look back in my own life about that statement of Oswald Chambers, the way I put it is, the grace of God operating within me has opened my eyes to see a strange God in residence in my life. But that strange God is still in residence. This is the sadness of it. Some of us don't see the strange God. Others see it and feel helpless to get rid of, to liquidate this God, to finish off the relationship, to sign off the contract, to get out of the contract. This is the struggle that we have. And that is what I want to address. So there are people who cannot see the strange God at all. They don't see anything strange about it. And as we only know too well, how the world, not just the United States, but the whole world has been polarized recently. The people who see everything wrong with the previous president and the people who see everything right with the previous president. Uh, there are people who can see only wrong about him. And there are people who can see only right about him. But here, even though the grace of God operating within me has opened my eyes to see this strange God in residence in my life. I am still unable to get rid of this God, to finish off the contract. And this is a struggle. So we ask the question, why is this God strange? This God is strange because this God is good and bad at the same time. October, November, December, we looked at a whole heap of paradoxes. But this is not a paradox. This is a God who is able to camouflage. In fact, the Bible talks about he appears as angel of light. And it seems that this God is speaking the absolute truth, yet it is absolute lie. When you look at it at face value, there is nothing wrong in what this God says or does. But yet everything is wrong about this God. So this God is strange because it can be good and bad at the same time. This God may take the appearance of success, prestige, self-sacrifice. Now tell me, what is wrong with success? Nothing wrong. But everything can be wrong with it. What is wrong with prestige? There is nothing wrong with a bit of prestige. But everything can be wrong with it. What is wrong with self-sacrifice? And we call to sacrifice. But it can be absolutely wrong. Discipline. What is wrong with discipline? But when discipline is focused on me, Everything is wrong with it. You know, how often are spiritual discipline leading people to spiritual pride? And this strange God who is in resident in my life is creating this dichotomy. Relevance. And Father Henry Newman talks about this in a great way. One of the great evils, he says, that we struggle with is the quest for relevance. We all want to be relevant. Someone has said Christians are answering questions people are not asking anymore. In other words, you are irrelevant. 
Jesus was irrelevant because they wanted a kingdom that was quite different and the kingdom that Jesus came to establish and talked about was far removed from their expectations so he was irrelevant relevance so uh, success prestige service service i mean what's wrong with service self sacrifice discipline relevance what i can't see is that these forces are bewitching in their power to be good and bad at the same time they are bewitching in other words they have this fantastic uh, hold enticing it is like saying i can swallow because it is bitter and i can i don't want to spit it out because it is so sweet and tasty they can also be good and bad at the same time this god can be strange because it seems to have convinced me that without this god i am nothing you need to do more you need to achieve more you have to strive more but when i have accomplished all that it demands of me i still feel empty and craving for more and more This god is strange because of its unseemingly powerful hold on my life even if i desire to give it up it refuses to give me up that is why this god is strange i want to give this god up but god doesn't want to give me up these are the sins that cling closely of which the writer to the hebrews speaks about in in chapter 12 lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and run the race these sins we don't like but they like us and that's a tragedy of it they love us these are certain habits it is not the things that i want to do said apostle paul but the things i do not want to do that i do we may renounce this god as many times as we want but this god is always with us the only way or the best way i could compare this relationship is golem in lord of the rings and uh, frodo baggins the two are to some degree inseparable because they both are on the same quest the ring it is a ring that brings the two together so this strange god would not leave us because the strange god knows that to achieve his purpose he needs us the strange god is a constant companion of all those who wish to walk in the way of the god of the bible If you do not wish to walk you may not feel the enticing power the grip of the strange god as powerfully Gollum is not after Frodo but what Frodo has the ring that is what he is in search of this god is strange because it prevents me from seeing what I'm looking at this is what Jesus was talking about as he looked over the city of Jerusalem and we have referred to this many times in our previous series God saying to Cain and this is seminal and this made to be understood if you want to understand a whole heap of the Bible God saying to Cain in chapter 4 of Genesis if you do well will you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin is crouching at the door its desire is for you but you must master it you know it's it's a beautiful powerful statement if you do well will you not be accepted but if you don't want to do well if you do not do well remember the strange god is crouching at your door its desire is for you and you have to master it what does the strange god do the impact of this god on my life is on two fronts this god leads me to break two commandments of the true god and the two commandments are love your god and love your neighbor as jesus said in fact jesus condensed the 10 commandments into two love your god and love your neighbor so what this strange god first of all does in relation to that is it creates what i call 
envy God. One of the first things this strange God did was to create twins. This we see in the Garden of Eden. God created them male and female. In his image he created them. But the devil appeared in the garden and said, Don't trust your maker. He is jealous that you would become like him. You can be a twin of God. You can be God. You don't have to remain created. when you can be god this is the teaching of the present you are the master of your destiny you are in charge of everything take hold you know so the idea is to create twins god created human beings in his image male and female he created them but devil said you don't have to be a created being you can be a twin same equal to god because god is jealous that you would become like him this is why he has forbidden you the fruit eat it and you will be like your creator in fact you will be a creator you can be twins the first of the two commandments love your god with all your heart soul and your mind must be understood in the context of the creation's envy towards the creator so when god said love your god he was saying don't envy your god but you love your god there is a subtle difference between envy and love in psychology they often say that when a daughter is getting married the mother feels jealous and you know i don't know what it is but that's i've heard it uh, read it you know the mother feels jealous for this daughter and maybe it is a confusion of feelings love your god must be understood in the context of this strange god's idea of be jealous of your god because he has more power than you you can have that power if you obey me One of the first things this strange god does is to create envy desiring what god has and that is to become like god and we need to be careful love your god with all your heart soul and mind must be understood in the context of the creation's envy towards the creator god did not say love your god as you love yourself it's very important to understand god did not say love your god as the way you love yourself then the second commandment says love your neighbor as you love yourself but the first commandment is love your god with all your heart and your soul and your mind not as you love yourself it's a very different command the creator and the creation are not the same desiring god is not envying god we must be very careful that we are not trying to be some little gods running around in our search for perfection or search for holiness or whatever it is the second is the enemy twins so first is envy god second enemy twins you can be twins promise the devil not as twins who love each other and live in harmony with each other but twins who envy and fight that's the sort of twins you have to be from then onwards The enemy twin saga continued. The next chapter, Cain and Abel, the twins who fight. The Tower of Babel, Esau and Jacob, the twins who fight. Joseph and his brothers, the fighting siblings. And the story continues on. It is an all against all rivalry. Everyone is fighting to become like somebody else. Sometimes this rivalry is for God's favor and affection. and we see this in christian circles when some people think that they are more favored by god than others my church is better than your church my theology is better than yours we have got the perfect worship yours is only imperfect i remember some time ago i was traveling in a train in india and i happened to be sitting next to two nuns so i was talking to them and uh, i said to them oh i'm very closely connected with the good shepherd order 
He said, oh, no, they, they are not they are not the true ones. We are the true ones, said one of the nuns. I said, how is that? Because we are the sacred heart order, you know, so they are better because they are only good shepherd. Their reference is to what they do, but our reference is to the very heart of God. You see, we are the sacred heart order. I said, oh, that's wonderful. Maybe I should join that order. You know, I mean, it's just, it just amazing how envy creeps into all situations. It is an all against all rivalry. Sometimes this rivalry is for God's favor and affection. Other times this rivalry is for personal gain and self-importance. Either way, it is rooted in envy and jealousy. This strange God creates enmity between brothers and neighbors. The second of the two commandments, love your neighbor as yourself, must be understood in the context of this destructive work of the strange God. So the first one, love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, must be understood in the context of envying God, how we envy. And God said, no, you don't envy, you love. You love your God. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, is about the rivalry, enemy twins. You know, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. The third is self-redemption. The third work of the strange God is the myth that the way back to a proper relationship with the true God is through rituals and sacrifices. The more we envy God and hate our neighbor, the more rituals and sacrifices we create. And we know this in the Old Testament. In our inability to obey God's two commandments leads to the creation of thousands of other rules and regulations related to sacrifices and offerings and rituals. Look at the church itself. The church that has got more rituals and more ordinances and sacrifices and waddles and whatnot are possibly the ones that are not promoting the seeking after God. In the absence of our desire to love God and love our neighbor creates our own attempt to redeem ourselves. The more we envy God and hate our neighbor, the more rituals and sacrifices we create. We congratulate ourselves pretending that we have redeemed ourselves because look at all the things we do. The sacrifices, the rituals, the prayers we do, the morning prayers, evening prayers, the Lent, the fasting, and etc., etc., it goes on. This way, this may give us the moral satisfaction that we are doing the right thing. The prophets challenged this error. God is not interested in your sacrifices. They warned and exhorted. The declaration of the prophet Micah, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And the denouncement of the prophet Isaiah, what makes you think I want your sacrifices, he says. Says the Lord, I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. The prophets understood the heart of God. You remember in my previous meditations, I talked about three orders, prophet, priest and kings. In fact, the other way around, priests, kings and prophets. These three orders, prophets are God's people who keep the priests and the kings in check and balance. And this we see in operation. Samuel and Saul, King Saul, Nathan and David. And, you know, you can see them right through. Wherever a king
king was prepared to listen to God, there was a prophet handy because they are the ones who bring them back. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Why? Because you have created these rituals. Because you don't want to obey my commands. My commands are very simple. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. But you don't want to do that. Instead, you have created an elaborate system of making yourself happy. I can say this guy King David understood the heart of God no wonder he was called the man after my own heart he says if i come before you with 10000s of rams and rivers of oil you take no pleasure but a broken and a contrite heart oh god you cannot reject you will not despise he understood it in spite of all his failures the man understood and no wonder god said this man is a man after my own heart What do I get out of this relationship? Our third question. This strange god leads me to guilt, self-loathing, self-pity, regret and restlessness. It never leads me to the still waters even in the midst of confusion. It never allows my soul to rest and it cannot comfort me. Instead of the words of comfort, let not your hearts be troubled. All I hear is you have to do more. You have to do better. you are a failure instead of the words of comfort and affirmation i hear only words of condemnation and denials this strange god leads me to confusion and uncertainty and ultimately disappointment this is the god of what might have been this is the god of if only it is the god of deep unending sadness and bitterness this strange god increases my sense of guilt and feeling of shame when i stand before the true god and that's what oswald chambers was talking about when he said the last bit it was beautiful it is a shocking thing that we can be in the exact place where the spirit of god should be having his completely unhindered way with us and yet we only make matters worse increasing our blame before God's side. That's what this strange God does. It increases my blame, my guilt and shame before the true God. When I come to the true God, I stand with my head hung in shame and my soul drowning in the mire of guilt. I feel trapped because of this terrible feeling of shame and guilt every time I come to my God. Slowly, even against my own better judgment and desire, I stop coming to him. why because it weighs me down coming to the true god weighs me down that is the work of the strange god that indeed is the desire and design of the strange god separate me from my god this strange god hides the truth about my relationship with my god the truth that is hidden from my sight is that i do not hate or dislike my true god but the overwhelming feeling of shame and the vice like grip of guilt is turning me away from the one i love and the one who truly loves me every time i come before him i see my ugliness i feel loathsome so i begin to hate the mirror that shows my true image and continue to stand before the one that hides the true truth about me and makes me look good it eases my discomfort for a short period but then like a man in withdrawal I rush back to it. I want more. I embrace the strange god. I descend even further in guilt and shame. 
It's a powerful thing that happens to all of us. And Apostle Paul understood it more than anybody else when he cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? It is not that I do not desire, I feel incapable of. I was struggling with this thought and that is where the next poem comes in, which I call the way out of the grip of the strange God. I call it the Exodus. Expulsion is the only way out. And I want to give you the entire answer in one statement. We cannot get rid of this strange God. This strange God must expel us. Expulsion is the only way out. We must live in such a way that we become odious to this strange God to the point that the strange God will expel us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we cannot get rid of this God. But we can live in such a way that we become a displeasure. We become odious to this strange God to the point that he says, I hate you, get out of here. Now, let me say what, why I called it the Exodus. Moses asked Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. Let my people go. But Pharaoh refused. Plagues after plagues only hardened his heart. But look at those plagues. Most of them were initiated by Moses and Aaron. For instance, the plague of flood is the result of Aaron touching the waters of Nile and with his rod and it turned into blood. The plague of gnats or mites or whatever happens when after Moses strikes the dust with his rod. The magicians of Egypt recognized it as a finger of God. They said these were gnats of both humans and animals and the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Pharaoh won't let you go. The strange God won't let you go. The plagues of locusts happened when Moses stretches out his hand over the land of Egypt. Pharaoh wouldn't let you go. The plague of boils is initiated when Bo Moses uh, throwing a handful of soot from the furnace in the air. Boils. Pharaoh wouldn't let go. The thick darkness engulfs the land when Moses stretched out his hand towards the heavens. At the plague of the death of the firstborn, the Pharaoh relented. They were not let go. We must understand that. They were not released to go. They did not leave. They were expelled. Israel were not asked to go. They were expelled because the Pharaoh could not live with the Israelites. Because having the Israelites is now giving him trouble. It is causing him problem. So they must be expelled. This is the only way to get rid of the strange God. We must live in such a way that the strange God has no choice but to expel us. And that is the truth about the persecution. I ask myself, there are how many millions, billions of people in India, yet they seem to be so scared of a handful of Christians to the point that you have to, they have to be persecuted. And that is a story everywhere. You know, it's so strange that when we live such a powerful life, we are going to be persecuted. Persecution meaning we will be expelled. The two cannot coexist. The strange God will kick us out. During the night of the death of the firstborn of Egypt, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up! Leave my people! Get out of here! They were expelled. Leave my people. Leave them alone. We don't want you anymore here. It was not like, please go for three days and come back. Up! Leave my people, 
You and the Israelites go, worship your Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry. You know, the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and said, get out of here. Hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. We must be patient. Sometimes it will take more than 10 plagues for the strange God to expel us. My answer to Apostle Paul is, Apostle Paul, when you live your life in such a way that you become odious to the strange God, he will expel you. He will push you out. Expelled by the strange God. When the strange God cannot control us, it will expel us. Jesus' temptations in Matthew 4, 1 to 11. After the third temptation we read, then the devil left him. Why? Because he couldn't handle Jesus. The devil left him. The devil realized that he was not controlled by the strange God of power, prestige, popularity and permissiveness. Jesus couldn't be enticed by these things. The devil used the strange God to detract Jesus from the glory of fulfilling his messianic task. He refused to establish his kingdom on earth by extraordinary demonstrations of power. However, the devil did not stop attacking Jesus. He knew there were plenty of others, other people who were controlled by these strange gods. So he entered these people and through them undermined the purpose of God. The devil entered the religious leaders, especially Caiaphas, the high priest because they were controlled by the strange God of hunger for power and glory. We see it every day, people hungry for power in the control of the strange God. The devil entered Judas's chariot because he became impatient with Jesus' method of establishing the kingdom of God. Judas was a zealot who wanted to fight the Romans. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Apostle Paul understood this. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They are mighty because they are embedded in the character of God. If you do not understand the character of God, you will find it difficult to belong to the kingdom of God. Ways to get expelled by the strange God. I'm just suggesting probably two or three things. First, unrelenting trust in the character of God of the Bible. That's one way we get expelled by the strange God. Unrelenting trust in the God of the Bible. We see this in the case of Job. We see this in the case of most godly people. I love the way Job says, Even though he slay me, yet I will not. And in our previous series, we talked about moving from faith to faithfulness. When we move from faith as an abstract idea to faithfulness as an existential reality of everyday living, then the strange God will expel us. Like a school principal expels a naughty kid. We get expelled. We are free. Faith in his never-ending love. The love that will not let me go. No matter how far I go, he is with me. When I turn around, I feel his embrace. This shifts our focus from ourselves to the God who loves us and gave everything for us. No wonder Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, says the words of a hymn. Look full in his wonderful face and all the things of this earth will grow strangely dim 
the light of his glory and grace instead of our failures we must see the glory of god holiness is not what i achieve with my hard work but allowing god's grace to work within me even against my own will and desire let thy will be done the work of christ is to make us stand before god blameless the work of the devil is to increase my blame before god the devil uses a strange god my human nature to achieve his purpose we remain unexpelled because we have not produced sufficient reason for our expulsion i hope that makes sense we remain unexpelled because we have not produced sufficient reason for our expulsion every time we demand to be expelled the strange god demands a show cause notice show me the cause why i should expel you show me the reason why i should expel you says the strange god and we don't have enough reason to be expelled the true god transforms our what might have been into what is into opportunities and possibilities that's all i want to share with you tonight